1: Here are your hosts, Mike Spring and Phil Edwards. Hello and welcome to After the Ending. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And Phil, everything you're about to hear is true. Because this is a
0: documentary podcast. Oh, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. I don't know where I'm going with that. I don't know what that was. <laughs> I know, <me> <laughs> It's all true apart from, is it? Because sometimes these things change, Mike.
1: It Well... You're right. But I thought about this carefully, Phil. Okay. Technically, as we're only sharing our opinions, <sighs> they yes. are true. Our, what we're Nothing we're going to say in this mini episode is made up or fictional because all of our opinions are validly our own. So therefore, in a way, this is a documentary podcast as we are portraying the truth and nothing but.
0: Excellent. But what if I'm lying to myself, Mike?
1: then you have larger issues that i cannot address in a mini episode i've
0: I've looked at this list i've made and i don't agree with any of it
1: (laughs) (laughs) well phil i suggest you get some help then I think I need it.
0: All right. Well, why don't you tell people what we're
1: talking about in this episode? Although I think most people probably could have figured it out by now.
0: Yes, we're looking at our top five favorite documentaries.
1: Yeah, this is a category that doesn't need a ton of explanation. Obviously, everyone knows what a documentary film is. It's a movie that sort of tells a true story uh, in a non-fictionalized way. But there's a lot of good ones out there and uh, there's a lot of bad ones. Phil, let me ask you, how do you feel about documentaries in general?
0: I really enjoy them. I think sometimes, I, I, sometimes I prefer watching them to uh, you know fictitious story. I just, especially when it's a it's a compelling story, and it's, there's a definite uh, artistry uh, to putting together a good documentary. Because you you, the documentary maker, know the whole story. You know the story as a whole, but then doing it makes so it makes it compelling viewing and have have twists and turns where the the viewers going, oh my, what the hell? How, I, I just think that's absolutely amazing, and when it's all true as well, it just makes it even more compelling and more fascinating. Right, right. But I I, I do love watching a, a good documentary. Cool. Often it's gonna be to, to do with things that I've got no interest in whatsoever, but you just go, well, I'll put it on watch it, and then by the end of it you going oh, my God, that was the most amazing yeah, yeah. thing. I, I need to know all about this subject now. Right, And all this right. kind of thing, but uh, yeah. But as you say, there's exactly. lots of bad ones, but if it's a good one, then it's, uh, it's like next level kind of thing. It's really good. What about you? What do you think of them?
1: You know, I hate to say this because I always feel like it makes me sound really lowbrow. I don't generally enjoy documentaries, um, but here's why. The problem I think I have with documentaries is that I, I often watch these these films and I, I hear about them or I read the synopsis and I go, oh my God, that sounds so fascinating. What an interesting subject. Mm-hmm. And then I watch the film and I find that it's never, not never, almost never as interesting as I want it to be. Yeah, yeah. Either through you know a fault in the filmmaking or the story itself not resolving in a satisfactory way uh, or just you know the people involved the the interviewees and stuff just not being that dynamic i often find i'm disappointed even if it's a film that I thought sounded really cool. So it's not that I don't like documentaries. I like, I love a good documentary. It's just that I find that yeah, uh, of the documentaries I watch, I probably enjoy about 10% of them and about 90% of them I go, eh, that was all right.
0: Fair enough. That makes sense though, yeah.
1: Um, now, that being said, I love true crime television. I can watch that all day long. I don't know if it's something about the length. You know, give me a 45-minute program about something, I'm all in. Give me like a 90-minute to, to two-hour film about something, it, it takes a lot more to convince me.
0: Well, I can understand that, yeah. So sense. maybe it's
1: just my yeah. short attention span, but... Yeah. Anyway, there are documentaries that I do like, and uh, and today we're going to talk about them. It's our top five documentary films.
0: Cool. Well, do you want to get things started, then, Mike?
1: Yeah, sure. I would I would love to start things off. My number five is from two thousand and six, and it is an inconvenient truth, which of course is the Al Gore film about the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, now I-, I know people have differing opinions about Al Gore, and you, people can make fun of him or you know whatever you want to say. The fact is that you know I watched this film expecting very little from it because you know. Al Al Gore was never known as being the most engaging public speaker in the world. And I kind of was like, yeah, well, we all know there's problems with the environment and this and that. Um, But it's a really powerful, really sobering documentary. But it also has a pretty solid sense of humor. You know, the film is kind of cut between like a live lecture that, that Al Gore is giving and then footage and photographs that sort of back up everything that he's saying. And when he's talking, he actually is quite engaging. I mean, he has that weird tonal quality to his voice, but he does make some jokes, Yeah. Um. you know, not inappropriate jokes about like the earth dying, but, you know, just some, some kind of subtle humor that kind of gives you a chuckle so that while you're watching this really serious documentary about climate change, you're not just all doom and gloom. There's actually some personality, some life, you know, some verve to it. Uh, and I really enjoyed that, but I do think it's a, a really powerful film. It's got a great message, you know, and I'm not going to get into the, the politics of climate yeah, change, yeah. but I will say that, you know, you definitely watch that and go, okay, I don't know if I can argue with at least some of this stuff. You know, there's definitely, there's at least enough there to make you think. And I think that's important. So that's my number five. It's an inconvenient truth from 2006.
0: That's a good choice. Good choice. Didn't make my list, uh, but know it's a, I can see why. Yeah. It's a solid, important documentary. But, uh, yeah, I agree with what I think you said. Uh, my number five is uh, from 2011 by Alex Stapleton, and it is Corman's World, Exploits of a Hollywood Rebel. Uh, and this is looking at... Uh, it's all about Roger Corman, the uh, producer, director, screenwriter. He's done everything, and the way he makes movies in Hollywood. And if you don't know Roger Corman, he's, the influence he's had is phenomenal. He's launched the careers of people like Peter Fonda, Jack Nicholson, Bruce Dern, Dennis Hopper, Stallone, William Shatner. He's just... James Cameron. Yeah, James Cameron. Yeah, Martin Scorsese, Francis Ford Coppola, Ron Howard.
1: The list goes on and on.
0: Yeah, huge. All these huge, big actors, uh, directors, but they all started with Roger Corman who was making films low budget, making them fast, making them punchy. Some of them are pretty good. Some of them pretty lousy, but he keeps making the films that he wants to make. Uh, He's just been, yeah, he's he's an absolute legend. He's an icon uh, and he's, Many of the films that we've seen and love, like some of the big ones wouldn't have existed if it wasn't for what he's done, pushing the art of filmmaking and just giving people a chance and showing that you can just keep on doing it. But uh, the documentary is great as well, though, because it it does features interviews with some of the people we mentioned also like Tarantino and Peter Bogdanovich and Pam Greer and all all sorts. But it's, it's great because you're seeing these people, it's all quite candid. Uh, at one point, you're watching Jack Nicholson breaks down into tears because of you know what what uh, Roger Corman did for him and his career. But it's uh, I really loved watching this because I like the whole process of how films are made, and I've always had a I've always enjoyed Roger Corman's work. And it's uh, I highly recommended if you've got any interest with films. And if you listen to us, obviously you have, then it's worth checking out. Even if you've never seen a Roger Corman film, it's still well worth a watch. Very good
1: pick. I have not seen that one, but I definitely want to. I uh, I enjoy the the Corman, you know, films to, to varying degrees. Yeah, but obviously yeah, yeah. I, I like to t- see his influence and stuff. Yeah. So excellent. All right. Well, my number four is from 2008 and it is Religious starring Bill Maher and directed by Larry Charles, who's best known for his work on, you know, things like Seinfeld and all yeah. of Sacha Baron Cohen's movies and other things I don't like. But it's a really, really funny documentary about religion. You know, Bill Maher is not religious and he basically, I don't want to say he sets out to debunk religion, but he he definitely goes to visit with some people who have very extreme religious views and sort of looks at them and, and maybe shines a bit of a light on how some of them, you know, could be seen as being a little ridiculous. Uh, Obviously, you know, opinions vary. uh, And I I know that Bill Maher is very polarizing. Uh, I'm not a particularly big fan of his, to be honest with you. But I think in this film, he does come across pretty well. And at the very least, whether you like him or not, he certainly does... visit some really interesting people in places. He's not just talking to sort of your regular devout churchgoers. He's talking to people of all different faiths too. Um, but, you know, who, people who really take it to kind of one extreme or another. So it's a really interesting deep dive into religion, but it's also very funny, um, which I like about it. So that's my number four, Religious.
0: An excellent pick. Yeah, it's uh, I, yeah, I've only seen other ones. I should give that another other watch actually, but yeah, a good choice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my number four is uh, is one of the film 2005, filmed by... Werner Herzog, one of his, he's made quite a few documentaries, but this one is a grizzly man, which follows uh, a chap called Timothy Treadwell in sadly the last five years of his life because he was he went off uh, and he used to be out in the wild with, uh, with grizzly bears and he managed to survive as long as he did, surprisingly, but he got up close to these wild animals uh, until eventually he stayed too long and him and his girlfriend were both killed and it was uh, recorded, the audio was recorded and uh, Werner Herzog does a great thing with his usual, his voices talk like this all the way through. It's very <laughs> yep. dramatic and very good. It's uh, it's so, it just draws you in and you just, you know what happens because he explains early on what happens to the guy. But they use a uh, video footage. They had like a hundred hours or more footage of uh, Timothy Treadwell and you see him with the bears interacting and you go and it is amazing what he did. Although dangerous and foolish and... Anyway, but uh, but it did result in a sad thing. And also you you see uh, Herzog listening to the audio recording of the death as well. And you can see how horrified he is by it. But uh, it's a, a very sad documentary, but it's uh, you just can't help but watch it all the way through. And Werner Herzog, pretty much all his documentaries are well worth watching. But uh, Grizzly Man, I think, is my favorite of his. That's my number
1: four. All right, fair enough. Now, see, this is a perfect example of, of what I was talking about earlier, where you know, I, obviously, I knew the story behind Grizzly Man, and, mm-hmm. I, and I knew mm-hmm. that they weren't showing the guy's death because I, I don't think I'd want to see it anyway, because I'm not I'm not morbid like that. Yeah. But I thought, you know, oh, this sounds like a fascinating documentary, and I remember watching it, and I don't know, it just didn't it just didn't grip me, you know? There's something, I, I mean, it's inter- interesting enough, but it's not one of those films that I got like excited about or made me really. I don't know. It just. I, it just was, to me, didn't work as well as I wanted it to. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's me. Who knows?
0: Well, yeah, but these things, sometimes, I mean, you can't like every, everything just because looks what the people do. This is true. Yeah. This is true.
1: All right. Well, my number three is actually a three-way tie, which I don't do very Ooh, often, okay. but I, th- I think it'll be very clear as to why. Um, it's three films about music, and they are Let It Be from 1970, Eight Days a Week from 2016, mm-hmm. and Rattle and Hum from 1989. So the first two movies are about the Beatles. The third one is about U2. That's my two favorite bands in the world. Yeah. Um, Let It Be from 1970 still doesn't have an official home video release, but it is a really fascinating look at the Beatles in the recording studio, recording the Let It Be album. And, you know, you can really see them starting to fall apart. Uh, I, I have watched it. I think it's fascinating to see them, um, you know, for as much. As much as there is on film about the Beatles, there's not that much on film about the Beatles, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So I, I really love Let It Be. Then there's the Eight Days a Week, which is uh, Ron Howard directed, actually. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's full title is The Beatles Eight Days a Week: The Touring Years, and basically that's exactly what it is. It's a documentary of their them touring the world at the height of Beatlemania, uh, and it's really fascinating. It does have current interviews, or current at the time interviews with Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr, but it has a lot of amazing footage and and great concert footage that I had never seen before, and I've watched everything I can get my hands on from the Beatles, and he found some really great, like, full and complete performances of songs. that You know, they're black and white footage, but they're really good quality. The sound quality is really good. They You know, they really mastered the heck out of it to reduce the screaming. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's just, it's, it's amazing to see these guys performing live in their prime, especially because, you know, after 1965, they, they stopped performing live. Um, so that's amazing. And then you have rattle and hum, which I, I realize is a very critically derided film. Um, but I love it, you know, it, yeah, it, yeah. when I was really getting into U2, I just remember watching this movie over and over and over again. I love the Rattle and Hum album. It's got some really great live performances. It's got neat, you know, snippets of the band, you know, off stage, kind of goofing around, just sort of being themselves. And it was really a chance to get to see their personalities. So that's kind of a sentimental favorite. Maybe not the best film of the bunch, um, but one I love nonetheless. So that's my three way tie. I apologize. But it's Let It Be, uh, Eight Days a Week and Rattle and Hum.
0: No, it's great. I can see why. Knowing you, I can see why they all, all of those were there. Yeah, you know, it's just, it's just and, yeah, stuff put, I love. Put, putting them as the uh, you know the three-way tie makes perfect sense.
1: Yeah, I didn't want to waste, not waste, I didn't want to use three spots, you know, all for music documentaries, because yeah, yeah. I was trying yeah. to find more interesting things to say. So I thought, I'll just do a three-way tie. That's
0: good. Excellent. Okay, my number three is from 2008, uh, directed by James Marsh, and it is Man on Wire, which uh, looks at Philip Petit's 1974 High wire walk between the tin, twin towers of the world trade center in New York. Uh, I remember I'd heard about this, them doing this and, uh, obviously there was nine 11 and everything, but that isn't touched on in the documentary itself. But, uh, it's just, it's, uh, it was, it's a great story and it's told extremely well, it's about these group of people and one man in particular, Philippe Petit, who want to do this crazy, dangerous thing. And it's becomes like a heist movie, the way it's told, it's got reenactments with uh, actors as the younger as the younger versions of the people involved. But it's just, you're watching it, you know he did it, and you just, you're just there it's, at certain points. I remember watching it with, uh, I think, my brother and a few other people, and when they're going, you, you knew they did it, but you're there when they, they're trying to sneak up there and get things, and the guards are looking for them, and you're going, are they going to do it? Are they going to do it? And obviously they do, but you're still there, caught along, and it's all quite tense, and just really, really good. And the, the characters involved, well, the people involved, all great characters, and you're and some of these can't be real people, but they are. Uh, and I just, I just loved it i thought it was brilliant then they did the 2015 i think it was uh, robert zemeckis and uh, joseph gordon Levitt film version of it which just didn't work for me hmm. uh, but uh, the, the, the documentary i just thought was uh, was superb a great piece of storytelling about an actual event that's my number three
1: good pick I, I don't want to keep criticizing your choices but i'll just say that's another one to me where i yeah. i really wanted to see it and i it just took so long to kind of get to the the crossing and then to, they only had photographs not even any video which i understand yeah, yeah, It's yeah, not yeah. like it's yeah. like it's not like oh they made a poor choice obviously there is no video or else they would have used it yeah. um but it just the photographs just don't to me capture kind of the the real insanity of it all you know what yeah, i mean yeah, so yeah. um so i it, it a good film but just not one of my favorites I, again i just felt like it wasn't as exciting as the subject matter was
0: not oh, fair enough i can see that yeah i know you mean about that the uh... They just had the photos, but uh, yeah, I definitely, I definitely prefer the to the uh, the film that was made.
1: Yeah, the walk. I I like the yeah. walk actually. So I'm yeah. I'm gonna say that we maybe differ differ slightly on that.
0: Well, I challenge you to a uh, high wire walk, Mike. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna decline that
1: challenge. But thanks. I'll just go ahead and let you. Well, win. I win. That's right. I'm fine, fine with you that. declining. <laughs> all right well my number uh two comes from 2006 it was directed by a guy with the unlikely name of kirby dick and <laughs> it is called this film is not yet rated oh um, yeah it is, I forgot about it that is one. a yeah it's yeah. a documentary about the the u.s um ratings film board the mpaa uh it's really more of an expose it is it's not just about how they rate films it's really more about sort of the hypocrisy that goes on in the rating of films and how certain films get one rating and other films that might be considered much worse or, you know, more scandalous, get a different rating, depending on, you know, the subject matter, the reasoning behind it, the studios involved, how much money there is, you know, how many times studios resubmit it. He talks about how they, you know, have resubmitted films with no changes made, but gotten a different rating and stuff like that. It's really, really interesting. It's first of all, it's just a fascinating look at, the MPAA, how secretive they are, because they really are. It's almost like a cult. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, it, it kind of exposes their process a little bit. But then it sort of, like I said, you know, dives deep into, you know, oh, well, how come this works this way and that works that way? It's a little, a little shady in times. So it's a really interesting film, especially if you're a movie buff. Yeah. You know, you have an interest in the kind of in the behind the scenes stuff. It's uh, it's really fascinating and it's very enjoyable. Uh, it's a quick-paced film and I, I like it a lot. So it's called. This film is not yet rated from two thousand six.
0: Yeah, I've seen that one. It's a good one. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, good, yeah. It's a good choice. Yeah, yeah. Very good Thank choice. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, my number two is from twenty twelve and it is Searching for Sugar Man, which uh, follows. It's a story of two uh, two South African people. Uh, two South African men who were big fans of this uh, an American musician called Rodriguez, who they'd heard had died. Uh, he became like a, in South Africa. He became his music was sort of uh, during the political struggles. His music was represented freedom and st- to many people over there. And it's about their search, obviously, for Rodriguez. And it's uh, well, if you, you probably know the story, but if you haven't seen, it, I'm not going to say anymore. But it's it's one of those ones where I was mentioning where it's going on there's revelations and things get revealed and you're going, oh my gosh. And then as it goes on, you're just going, this can't be real. But it was. And I remember me and a few friends just watching this and talking about it and tracking down the Rodriguez's music and listening to it. I'm loving the music as well. But uh, I was, yeah, I really like this one. Uh, a, good, a good mystery story, I suppose. It's a good way of doing it. But it's my number two, Searching for Sugar Man.
1: A good pick. I, I don't want to repeat myself. I'm just going to say <laughs> that I,
0: I've seen the film, didn't make my top five. That's fair
1: enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, my number one uh, is actually a movie I've talked about on the show once before because it made my top 10 films of the year, I think, the year it came out. Or or some other list it's appeared on, but I'm pretty sure that was it. Yeah. It's from yeah. 2011. It's by the acclaimed filmmaker Morgan Spurlock. And its full title is Palm Wonderful Presents the Greatest Movie Ever Sold. Mm-hmm. And it is easily hands down my favorite documentary it's just a film that i love whether it's a fiction or documentary just i just love the movie Um, but basically it is about product placement in films and branding and and it's it's very meta because morgan spurlock basically decides to get all the funding to make the film by putting product placement in the movie so you basically get to watch him go along trying to land product placement deals Uh, while he's making a film about product placement and it sort of just all feeds into itself and that's how it's called Palm Wonderful because they sponsored the film so they got their name above the title and there's all kinds of great sponsors including of course my favorite mane and tail shampoo uh, which is a shampoo for horses and humans (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's uh, one of the best scenes in the film. And um, But it's really, it's an amazing film. I love Morgan Spurlock's movies. He does that thing where they're really enjoyable and funny, and they have lots of, you know, quirky animation to kind of transition between scenes, and, you know, they're just really uh, very user-friendly, very viewer-friendly. Um, and I think this movie is both fascinating and really funny. Um, And I love it. I will recommend it to people any chance I get. In fact, I have taken it to people's houses and said, we're sitting down and watching this because you're really going to enjoy it. Uh, And of course, they always did so. Uh, It's Palm Wonderful presents the greatest movie ever sold or more commonly just referred to as the greatest movie ever sold. Um, And I highly recommend watching it if you get the chance.
0: Yeah, I've still not had a chance to see it, but uh, I do want to see it because it does sound pretty good. Yeah, it's fantastic. Cool, cool. I like, yeah, I'll definitely get on to that.
1: Great. So, all right, well, Phil, let's go ahead. and Obviously, I know your number one is different from mine, so let's hear it. What's your top documentary?
0: Yeah, well, like you, I think I mentioned this one when I was talking about the year in question in my top 10 favorite films, but it's from 2007. Uh, and it's by directed by Seth Gordon, and it is the King of Kong: A Fistful of Quarters. I
1: had a feeling,
0: which details the ongoing uh, feud. Well, only one person thought it was a feud, but it's about the, uh, the <laughs> person who holds the uh, the uh, the world record, the highest score record for the uh, arcade game Donkey Kong, and it, we follow the exploits of of Steve Wiebe, who's just a kind of nice guy who breaks the record, which had been held by Billy Mitchell, uh, and it just. That just sounds like nothing, but then you you when you you see Billy Mitchell and he's interviewed, you realize he is a proper movie villain. You'd think he was like an actor portraying this guy who's like this all-American kind of. I can't explain it. You have to see it because he is just this. You can't believe he exists because the way he talks and the way he acts. A part of it, you think it's a mockumentary, or you know, it's it's and it's all scripted, but it's not. And I just, I really thought it was fantastic, and it just. I just kept going, but he he can't be a real person. It's like it's like a proper bad guy versus the underdog, and yeah, it's. Uh, I've watched it a few times now, and it I still I'd, it it just gets me every time. But that's my number one: the King of Kong, a fistful of quarters from two thousand and seven.
1: Very good pick. I have to admit, I still have not seen this movie. That is the one documentary that people always steer me towards, and I do really want to see it. I just haven't gotten around to it, and I, I really do want to see it. So when I when I watch it, I'll I'll update you and let you know. Uh, where it would fall on my list, because I do understand it's really good. So
0: I'm looking forward to seeing that. Excellent. I look forward to hearing hearing from you when you do. Definitely.
1: All right, well, there you go. That is our top five documentary films. I think that's a pretty good list we've put together there.
0: Yeah, and not much, well, no overlap as well, so that's good. Right,
1: right, exactly. So there you go. If you're looking for some documentaries, there's some good ones to pick from. But meanwhile, that's going to do it for us for this episode. So as always, we thank you greatly for listening. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And we'll see you next
0: week. After the ending. it's all still the same yes i'm saying this and it's recording (laughs) nothing ever changes we are trapped in a circle of life well the circle of life is a good thing it's the circle of life all right well
1: add that to the list of impressions that you do I saw one about that recently. I gotta see if I can find it. Hang on a second, because it made me laugh. Okay. On. Uh, it was a it was a sign right outside of a like a pizza parlor, and uh, so it's got a picture of Rafiki holding up a slice of pizza, right, and then written it says, Na, so when you're gonna buy my pizza?" <laughs> I like it. I like it. Thank you. Just sounded for some reason. It sounded like you said documentaries at
0: first. No. Would... Occumentaries. documentaries. Documentaries. The next episode.
1: <laughs> well, I was going to could probably find one film about octopuses that I like, or <laughs> occupy, but I don't know if I could find five. So
0: you'd be surprised. There's a whole subculture. <laughs> yeah. Arms volumes one through eight. Yeah. I must admit I'm a sucker for a good uh, octopus documentary. <laughs>
1: oh, oh. God. Oh, that one hurt. It hurt so good. It hurts so good. <laughs> All right, at this point, our blooper reel is longer than our episode, so. I, <laughs> I actually have way more bull riding and cows around where I live than, than you do, I'm sure. Uh, well, you'd be surprised. Okay, well, I, let's definitely have more than. Because you'll New never York City. guess
0: what's just walked into the room. <laughs> the house is infested with bulls and cows. Absolutely infested. We've got to get the exterminator in, but.
1: The visual in my head of you sitting there like with your headphones on from the microphone and a cow just wanders through your office is, is very, very amusing. Well, it's a
0: small room, but there's currently four cows in it. And I just... <laughs> it's a nightmare, Mike. Absolute nightmare. But we always have nightmare fresh milk. Imagine. Right. There's always a benefit. Right.
1: Yeah, of course. And the steaks are to die for. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. It's an absolute bloodbath. <laughs> Literally.
0: There. Absolute bloodbath out in the kitchen. Apologies to our apologies to our vegetarian and vegan listeners, but because uh, <laughs> we don't actually do that, no animals were harmed during the, the making of this episode. Right,
1: but animals were definitely harmed in the making of my dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, we've lost
0: a segment of all of our listeners. Yeah.
1: Oh well. <laughs> Luckily, we, none of this is actually in the episode. Yeah, so. the,
0: the two they went not have the strength to complain. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man.